welcome to episode 27 of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. Today we have my friend Jen Dot on the podcast and we're going to listen to a bunch of her music. But first, I thought we would have uh, an old guest back on the show, my husband, my bass player, my main squeeze, Dr. Reed Kane Esquire. <clears throat> Hello. Now, Reed, um, I'm sorry, Dr. Kane, mm. I, I want to be formal here. Um, I thought today we could talk a little bit about what's happening around the Kane family farm. I'm also feeling a little under the weather today, so I thought it'd be nice to bring in someone with the gift of gab to help me do the intro because I have a terrible cough. And, uh, so you're saying it's Man Day on Haley's uh, podcast? Yes. Please tell us more yes. about Man Day. Uh, well, I painted some trim today, some baseboards, and um, I forgot to go to get my passport, <clears throat> and I forgot to take the gentle leader <laughs> to the dog food store. And I went to the dog food store, and they changed the color of the bag of the dog food I usually get, so it took me um, significantly longer than usual to get dog food. And we have one dog that's elderly, and she has to eat the, the mushy food, so I had to find that and uh her name is mavis mavis you may know of mavis she's pretty famous here in uh, san luis obispo california she's quite famous around town as well as on instagram and um <clears throat> so i had to buy some wet food but it's really confusing at the pet shop at pet store because they put each brand has its own corresponding wet food I don't know. And it's like three ninety nine, which is really expensive for a tiny can of dog food. Can you just tell me what So on the I front? selected after many <clears throat> walks down the same aisle over and over, I selected Colorado Roast in gravy with lambs, peas, and apples. And we're gonna try it right here on the show. <clears throat> uh remember in uh the road warrior when um he's like waiting to get on the road and he's eating dinky dime dog food? That's the movie's really boring. We've been over this. So this is what you Mad Max wishes he was eating, <laughs> which is blue Colorado roast. Read the back label, Doctor Kane. <clears throat> blessed with an abundance of beauty. Oh, blessed with an abundance of beautiful mountains, rivers, and forests. Colorado is the outdoor capital of America. And since nothing makes you hungrier than an active day in the crisp Colorado air, it's always good to have a lamb roast waiting at home. Now with Blue's Colorado Best, dog f dogs everywhere can partake in a hearty, grain-free meal that features deboned lamb, Yukon gold potatoes, peas, apples, all in a savory gravy for a true taste of the Rockies. Mad Max would have been stoked. Okay, I'm going to try it. All right, I'm going to get a nice <laughs> big ol' heaping spoonful here. I love those Yukon potatoes. Uh, Mavis really liked it. She smelling it. it. Okay. damn quick. I don't know. The texture leaves a lot to be desired. I don't know. So we're about to go on tour, a mini tour, up to the Pacific Northwest to scenic and green Seattle and Portland. We have two shows. We have a show on the 26th in Portland at the Twilight Cafe, and we have a show at the Funhouse in Seattle on July 27th. And uh, to make things a little easier on the road, we bought a um, portable toilet for number ones only. Woo! So yes. No more bucket in the back. Can I just have an aside here? Mm. So I don't think that I've told our listeners 
So usually I give a chicken update and I talk about tour dates, but since the last couple episodes, things have been accelerating here at the cane compound. Our chickens are gone, the touring is speeding up, and we are preparing and embarking to move into the van for the foreseeable future. Now, I don't think I've told you guys about how one pees in the middle of the night in the van, but it requires a camp toilet, which is basically a giant bucket, mm-hmm. and some kitty litter, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's a technique we used. Yeah. That was what we used, and the first time we did it was, where? what city was that when we first did that? Bakersfield. Bakersfield. And we went to the store to get cheap cat litter because it will help with the odor. And um, the lady at the checkout asked, what did she ask, Reed? <laughs> What's your cat's name? No, you, she said, what kind of cat do you have? What kind of cat do you have? And then I just like snickered because I'm obviously the cat because I have to pee a million times a night. Anyways, this is all to say that today we got a very, very special present in the mail. It is a cassette toilet. For the van. <clears throat> Reed Kane, can you please explain the cassette toilet? I know you have the um you have the specs in the front owner's of you. manual, right? Yes, here, yeah. yes, yes. It's yes. got two tanks, an upper tank and a lower tank. Uh, you do your business in one, then you push the button and it goes to tank two. The end. That's really all it is. It's it, not really that exciting. But it looks like a printer in an office. It like looks it looks like, like a, a scanner. It should go in a in a in a um, space shuttle. It looks like a space shuttle <clears throat> scanner. In an office. Yeah. In a cubicle. Hopefully that's what the police think it are. Think it yes. Is. So uh, we'll keep you posted on some of this urban camping situation. Um, I'll still be doing the podcast. It's pretty easy to do everything that I do normally from the road, uh, with the exception of, I don't know, go number two in an actual place. But, you know, that's what um, Sonics and... Uh, you never been to Sonic before. I know, but I really want to go to Sonic Burger, and I feel like that's going to happen someday. So you think about Sonic, the first thing you want to do is go poop in it? Yes. <laughs> um, I also wanted Dr. Kane really briefly to um, to talk about a very important um, piece of literature that has come across his desk. How did you procure this, this periodical? It is called uh, Lady Cop, and it was a comic book printed in... By DC in 1975, it's called. It's actually called First Issue Special, but it's actually the fourth, the fourth issue of First Issue Special. Does that make sense? No, I don't understand yeah. that. <clears throat> so I bought a giant comic book collection maybe two months ago, and in it was this comic, which is officially the worst comic I've ever read, which makes it, of course, one of the best comics I've ever read. And and immediately, what did you say to me? You have to read this comic. And it I was like, best. no, I don't want to read it. And then I looked at the cover and it had a lady cop in a tight dress and a guy with a chain like trying to whip her. And <laughs> I was like, no. But then I finally read it today. And I have to say, I'm really glad I read it because it's changed my life. Mm-hmm, it really is. Uh, she's it's, it's clearly written by a person who may or may not. He's a man, obviously, who wrote Lady Cop. It's the, se- it's the 70s. And... V- and he, I'm pretty sure he's may have heard about what a woman is, but I'm certain he's never met one. Oh. <clears throat> anyway, it's all about. Uh, it's kind of a romance comic, but with weird fighting and violence. It's not really romance at all. I would actually, no? I would say no. It's it, it, opens, it starts out with her kissing. It opens with a girl. No, it opens with a woman who is hiding under her bed as her oh, roommates yeah. are mysteriously killed by a man in very. 
um, flamboyant boots. By the way, that never comes back around. No, it's she's it foreshadows at the end. How I thought you what? were the expert on this. Look at the very end. I didn't see the. Let dude me in the explain. Boots. Okay, so There's no, no, boots? no. She says at the last panel, wonder oh. <laughs> if I'll ever find the killer in the boots. Oh yeah, that's right. So she's hiding under the bed. There's a man in, who's clearly a gay man in very very flamboyant boots with like skulls and like you stars see, and shit on wear, them. I wear those. I would wear them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they they were very stylish. Mm. The average dude is not going to be wearing these awesome boots. And so um, immediately after that, the cops that are comforting her say out of nowhere, hey, you should join the police force because you have an eye for this. Oh, yeah, because she remembered he has flamboyant boots. All she remembered was that he had boots and she she was hiding under the bed. So all she saw were the boots. So then then immediately she goes through her training and um, during her graduation, a guy gets really mad because he didn't graduate. And so he's trying to bomb the graduation and she thwarts this man with this dude is carrying a grenade a, into a police academy graduation what does he think's gonna happen and so she like basically like like takes him down yeah and that all happens and then and then let's see she blows the grenade up yeah yeah oh, oh poison this is this is the this is a tragic story about a woman who gets vd yeah First, some dude's trying to rape her on a roof, <coughs> and lady cop shows up and breaks it up very nicely. Not she doesn't really kick much ass there. No. And then, um, geez, I don't know. This story is really going nowhere. I think we could paint a better picture. Let me get a good panel here. Okay, so let's see. So lady cop is trying to break up the fight. Uh, there are two goons. Wait, that's a fight later, though. I no, think- it's the same one. They're on the roof. Oh. So the dude says, watch me beat up the fuzz. And then the other guy says, go, man, go. And then lady cop says, my temperature's below freezing. And then the mean guy goes, I don't dig gorillas either. Oh, no. <laughs> she says, I don't dig gorillas. I don't dig gorillas either. And so then, hopefully you guys are enjoying this. Haven't you heard? The Stone Age is over. The dinosaurs are extinct. You can't club a woman over the head and drag them away by their hair. But if you characters would be happier in a cage, I'll book you. Let's go. Well, now you're the lady cop. Yeah. Where's the girl? Gone with the wind, I'm afraid. I don't know her name, but I'll look out for her. So then they try. So she tries to find the sad girl. And then uh, in the meantime, she buys another girl ice cream. It's actually quite nice. That part's quite nice. Um. Okay, then, that's enough, Lady Cop. Okay, it's, it goes on and on and on. It's really inane and but awesome. I have to say, one of the ads—it's it romantic there. Yeah. Oh well, she's on the beach with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend says, literally says, uh, "Liza, I'm tired of being kidded by my friends when I tell them you're a cop. You should resign." <laughs> what a dick! That is a dick. And then move. she says the best thing ever. She says, "I'd rather pound the beat than a typewriter." She should have pound pavement. Leave that dumb dumb. I know. And then she kissed him anyway. She sh- ah. No, but while she's kissing, while she's kissing him, she's literally thinking, "I can't stop thinking of finding the killer of my roommates in the weird boots." Yeah. So, anyways, um, if you have a chance to pick up this classic title, DC title, you should. And also note that there is an ad in here that is so so sad. Um, the ads are confusing because, like, so, some of them are like "Be a He Man" and like "How to Grow Your Muscles." Fishing, fishing tackle. Fishing tackle, and then another one is like, "Are your kids ashamed that you never graduated high school? Because you should be ashamed." 
Anyways, we digress. Um, we went through the toilet talk. We went through the dog food talk. We went through the lady cop talk. Mm-hmm. Is there anything more that you'd like to address, Dr. Kane, before I get into my, my podcast for today? Uh, well, we've, um, we've got an artist going on our artwork. Oh, yeah. Haley and the Crusher's third full-length art is happening. Yeah. The mixes, first mixes came in. First mixes came in. And uh, we had a lot of notes, so yeah. try again. We also added some weird stuff like Farfisa and Glockenspiel and a couple overdubs. And uh, we basically went, we like did what, you know, they do in the 60s. We just did what they do. We just went too big. We just decided we were going to go and mm-hmm. we we're going to like make it bigger and crazier. And <clears throat> So the guy doing our artwork. It got too crazy. His, his name is Martin. I, I don't know Martin Head. Called. Yeah. And you can look him up on Instagram. I think it's called martin head something something whatever and check out his art it's really rad and we're stoked to have him on board to do our album cover that's right well that's enough business for today thank you dr kane for helping me tonight i was just feeling a little lackluster from feeling sick and it was really nice to have a chat with you while we have our cute little dogs all cuddled up with us Hmm. sparkle and destroy brought to you by lady cop Yes, Manning. Actually, Manning wanted to say one last thing before we go. Manning, you have the floor. No. Okay. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Peyton Manning. Oh, we discovered that he's a jack weenie. Yes. That's for another episode, okay. though. All right. Peyton Manning, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Mavis, thank you for farting. And we are off to my interview with the... Amazing, unique Jen Dot from Chicago. Hopefully you enjoy this uh, little interview.
just opened a fresh can of Pomplamousse Lacroix La or Lacroix. Not sure how to say it. I have my coffee. I'm here with Jen Dot, and we are getting into it after our fateful meeting in Chicago. We're finally face to face via Skype. Hello, Jen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so you are um, a coffee at noon person as well. Does that bother you at night? Are you a night owl? Um, I am. It's also 2 p.m. here. So <laughs> that's true. You got me there. <laughs> um, I'll drink coffee up until about five or six. Wow. I can sleep after I drink coffee, though, which is kind of weird. So I know that we both, you know, have nighttime, you know, artistic jobs. We do things at night. We play rock and roll music. We become vampires at night. And that's actually how I met you was in a a dark club at the Liars Club in Chicago. Tell me about that evening for you. What was that show like for you? And tell, tell our listeners about our meeting because I have my own version of it and I would love to hear yours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it's interesting you say that because I'm also, I'm actually a teacher. Wow. Um, so I have, I have, I live a double life. Um, and that's always been a really, you know, it's like, a, it's been a complicated part of my experience being a musician because we do have so many obligations at night and like, that's, that's how we roll. So um, I've had to figure out how to create that balance. And that's been, that's been a challenge, but it helps me. It works for me. Um I like having that routine schedule, getting up. I do not like, I do not like waking up in the morning. I hate it. I, I barely woke. Like I would be sleeping still. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I'm barely up, but I have <laughs> figured out a way to do that and kind of like go to work, go back to sleep, get up, do stuff. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of, uh, lifestyle, but it's a summer right now. So I can do whatever the hell I want. Right. It's <laughs> funny though. Cause like when I met you and I'd heard so much about you, um, you have so many different bands, Beastie being just one of your many projects. Um, my drummer, Dougie, um, introduced me to you and said that you were like a powerhouse and we definitely had to reach out to Jen. And so um, when I met you, it's funny when you meet these people in real life and you think, oh, they're just these amazing musicians and this is their persona, this is who they are. But all of us have like this weird double life. And I would have never thought you were a teacher. Not that you couldn't be like an, a rad teacher, but it's one of those things where like you wouldn't necessarily guess what either of us does for like our living. And it's like yeah. once you get that, this is exactly why I wanted to talk to you because now I get to actually meet you as a person, not just in a dark you know, crazy bar situation. Um, so that night I'll tell you my experience of it. Cause I just felt like so in love. Um, after the show, well, Beastie was great. I already knew Dom because I had played with, um, barbecue tea in Los Angeles and Dom was part of that outfit at that time. And I met Dom and I thought she was like a relic from another era. She's just, such (laughs) (laughs) she's like such a, like, I don't know, she's she's like a rock star like she should have a poster of her just like mugging with her guitar because she's so amazing um we need to print that we need to print those right I mean she's like a freaking rock star and so uh she's also in the band Beastie with Jen and so um I do remember being very impressed by your guys's set and really loving the backing vocals and how you would just jam out on your guitar like I noticed you just would get into like little trances and just like you're not afraid to go a little sideways which I like (laughs) and um, after the show I remember you came up with a stack of cassettes 
there were all your bands and you were like, here's all my cassettes. <laughs> and you were like, and here's a zine. And I was just like, oh, I love, I, I used to do a zine and I love zines and I love cassettes as well. And I thought, I thought it was so generous of you to be like, oh, you like Beastie. Like, here's the other parts of what I'm doing. This is who I am. And I think that's not always common in the music scene when you come from a different place. I'm from California and I'm coming into a different zone and you were very welcoming. And, um, I, I just, uh, wanted to get to know you better. So that was my like feeling of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know I, I, um, I remember, I guess months ago, Dom had just sent us a message being like, Hey, um, you know, we actually, this is really funny. Um, she was like, Hey, there's this band Haley and the Crushers. They really want to play with us when they're here. And you know, sometimes you just, you hear a band name. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. And then uh, a couple months later, I got another message on my other band account um, being like, hey, we're, uh, we're Haley and the Crushers. We're wondering if you would jump on the show. We're playing with Beastie. And I was like, actually, like, <laughs> that's my other band. So we're, you know, this is a fateful meeting. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think I followed your Instagram. I listened to a couple songs and stuff like, you know, th- that's kind of what happens when people are coming through town. Yeah. And I didn't really get the full scope until you were playing. And me being dumb, like, I didn't even actually know totally where you were from. And I remember, I think I came up to you and I was like, you guys have such a Detroit, a Detroit sound. It kind of reminded me of like Nikki and the Corvettes, like late, like late seventies, like yeah. sort of Detroit <laughs> sound. And you're like, that's so weird because like, we're not from Detroit, but like our drummer is. <laughs> yeah. I just, I thought that was, that was so interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. And I totally get that reference for sure. Um, uh, that's so funny. And it's so funny when people are like, oh, you have this sound and you're just like, well, okay, I'll go with that. That's great. Because, you know, when you're in California, you don't want to sound like a California band because everyone's like, so just submerged in it. So like, I'll take any exotic thing. I'll take any exotic thing. But let's get into you. I was wondering if that was a (laughs) obsession that you had or something like a a Detroit, a Detroit thing. No, I think part of it is I, the way I play guitar is sort of a rockabilly, like rhythm and bluesy kind of thing. Like I do a lot of like that kind of rhythmic guitar thing. Um, You know, when you use your pinky, I don't know what that's (laughs) called. Do you know what that's called? Where you kind of go, you know, it's kind of like Like a a rhythm sort of. And I think yeah. that might add to like sort of that sort of sound. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but we do have multiple drummers. So I'm just going to go with it, Jen. I'm just going <laughs> to say. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's, it's so I funny. I love your set. I love the energy of it. And then oh, I remembered. So I'm, I, I felt like meeting you was kind of a, a breath of fresh air for me. I was like, oh, my God, she's so nice and just genuine. And we just connected. And I felt like that was really, really Yay. great. I love it. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about your bands because you're in a million bands, but I'd love to start with kind of like where you're originally from and like how you got into music and maybe we can kind of evolve that into like your first kind of bands and then we can get into all the bands because I know you have like multiple, four, four, five, four? I don't know. I don't know. I really, I am not sure. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Like where are you actually from? Um, I'm from Michigan. Okay. Um, so I'm from Lansing area and kind of was raised in different rural areas, uh, lived in the suburbs. My parents married, you know, married and remarried and moved and all that kind of stuff. So um, kind of all over Michigan. My dad was uh, very, very into music. And it's interesting you bring this up because uh, he and I are working on a little a little project right now where we're 
um, I'm making a YouTube channel and I'm going to burn CDs and stuff. Cause that's what he wants. Um, of his favorite songs. And so oh. I have, I have memories, uh, like one of my first memories of being really little, I swear I was like two, three years old is my dad putting Nat King Cole on the record player and dancing to straighten up and fly. Right. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> and my older sister, um, was very into just kind of like alternative rock and she liked Tom Waits and she liked Nirvana and she liked REM and like all this stuff. And I, those are my kind of first memories of music. Um, and then kind of just listening to a lot of like pop music, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's the a lot of pop references in some of these tapes that you've, you've given me too. So it's like, you're a rocker, but you have a total appreciation for like the whole American catalog of music. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the monkey, I would say the monkeys are my, my like favorite band, oh my which is God. like, like, I don't know. I think that that kind of is, shows how much I like pop music and I like, Yes. So we, Haley and the Crushers played a Halloween show this year where we were dressed as the band, as you do. And we were X and I was Billy Zoom, of course. And (laughs) (laughs) one of the bands, the best band that played was actually uh, the Monkees cover band. Like their songs were actually really freaking good, but they didn't get enough respect. And I remember when I was little, my sister and I watching the Monkees show probably on like Nick at Night. Did you remember this? Yep. I was just telling one of my roommates who's a lot younger than me about that. I was like, I used to watch the monkeys on Nick at night, like all the time. That's yes. why I love them so my much. My sister and I made up this like funny joke. It's not even funny. It's like super stupid, but we're like, <laughs> they're totally American and just making up their accents. So we changed the theme song to, Hey, Hey, we're the monkeys. People say we're hip and we're down. But we're <laughs> too busy trying to get our accents down. Which is like not <laughs> even a thing. Like we had this whole conspiracy about how they were like fake British because they were too British almost. That's funny. My dad, uh, my dad used to make fun of us. My sister, my sister and I used to watch it together too. And we were, we lo- we just like loved them. We were obsessed with them and we wanted to play <laughs> music because of that and all that. Um, my dad made a joke song and I don't know if I'll remember it, but it was like, Hey, Hey, we're the drunkies. People say we do lots of drugs. We're too busy. And it was something like that. And he was just ripping on them for like hippies and you know, blah, 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 like that kind of thing. And it was, I good. wonder it was like if everybody has their own monkeys, like uh, stupid, like, cause it's so, it just begs to be parodied. Like why didn't weird Al yeah. just run with that? I don't know. <laughs> That's I guess, great. I guess, we have to do it yeah that's a great reference I love that you say the monkeys because yeah I mean you have such a breadth of music I mean are are all these bands active you have can you just name them all just so we can have that out there in the open and give a little Um, blurb about each one yeah well I think the ones I gave you were swimsuit edition and beastie and and tanks oh you know that's swimsuit edition oh that's and it sounds completely different it's totally different. So I thought it was almost a different band, but you're right. It's it is. Joke. It's always like a joke album. Okay. So, I mean, there's a country song on there. There's, you know, like there's, a folky, like, there's like a folky thing happening. Yeah. yeah. There's like a hip hop song on there. Like it's, it's, it was, uh, we made that as like for our, like our fans who donated to our Kickstarter and they uh-huh. requested different songs. And so we just like wrote okay. and recorded them. Okay. So yeah, that, that, that album is from Edition. So it was all the people in Swimsuit Edition made it. That band is unfortunately not playing anymore. Um, you know, I, we played for a long time and I think we made a lot of, we did a lot of material together and, you know, 
personal relationships are what they are. And, you know, we're all working on our friendships and all that kind of stuff. So we're all, we're all friends now, but I don't know that, I don't know that we'll get back together. I think it would be wonderful if we could in some, in some form. Um, but we're not playing together. We're not playing together anymore. Okay. And then so BC is obviously doing a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. The other, the other two bands I have, Beastie and I have another band. It was called Jen and the Dots and it had a, we had a monkeys reference as our, um, our logo made by Jen LaMasters from Brick of Brack Records. But, um, we changed the names. I really just didn't want my name. I don't know. I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't. Okay. I felt can silly. we stop and do that really quick? Because yeah. I've had such an interesting time with using my name and it's a blessing and a curse. I will tell you that. <laughs> what was your thought process in doing Jen and the Dots and then backpedaling and thinking like, okay, maybe I don't want to have my name the first front and center thing. Okay. For me, I started to use it because I was getting offered a lot of shows that I wanted to play. And I kind of had a rotating crew of people who were joining me. So it just, it, it kind of was a joke. Like it was like a Jen and the dog show, Jen and the dweebs, the, you know, that we just were started Dottie and the additions. We were just kind of making different <laughs> names and being ridiculous about it. And when we kind of came on the group of four that like, we're still working with, I realized like I have beastie and that is kind of, I feel in a lot of ways, my project that I can, I am like, you know, I'm the, I feel like I'm the, I'm the band leader of both bands, but like, you know, I have Beastie and in Jen and the Dots, other people wanted to sing and other people wanted to write songs and things like that. And I was like, I feel weird doing that. If, if it comes across as that it's, it, it's my project or, you know, something like that. Um, the other bandmates were like, we're fine with it. Right. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I noticed that too. It's like, if I'm too front and center, I tell, cause I'm, my husband is my bass player and then I have a rotating drummer and I'll say to them, like, I feel like I'm getting more attention or I'm posting too many things about me. And they always say it's Haley and the crushers. Like it's your freaking band. Yeah. And the reason I did it, if this is interesting to you is I was in a band for five years, a punk band called magazine dirty that did pretty well in like our punk thing in our punk, non-existent punk scene, but in the central coast of California, we were doing pretty good. And that I had so much powerless when powerlessness when that broke up and I wasn't able to like move on from that because I was a guitar player, not a singer. And I was writing some of the songs. So I felt so like disempowered by it that I was like, never again, it's going to be my band because I want to make sure like yeah. my songs move forward. And yeah. I didn't want anyone else's drama or anyone else's issues to like come between me and like, yeah. and also part of it was like self acquisition. I cannot talk today. Just being like self-aware, like, yeah. like to the point where I'm like, okay, well, if my name's on it, that's a fucking risk. And I'm going to be the first one criticized. So let's just do it that way. So then it's just like, fuck, like it's, it's me. I it ripped the bandaid off, like just be vulnerable. And that was a huge, like scary thing for me, honestly. And I did, yeah. I did at first be like, oh God, what did I do? You know? I remember we talked about this actually at Liars Club. Oh, we yeah. did. We talked about this because I remember we had this a really, really similar reasoning for it. And it was like, you know, like I love and respect all the people I, I work with, but at the same time, I don't want their decisions or their like, if, the, if they're not interested in playing, they don't want to go forward. I don't want that to impact whether or not I can yeah. keep working. And I think that that as like a songwriter is a big thing. And 
that that's always been kind of my one of my struggles is like band, like obviously I have I have issues with band names like I have like 20 bands because I have I can't you know what I mean I I'm, I'm always I always feel beholden to a certain project and I'm like but what if I want to do this but what if I and I'm just like all right well I'll just be really bad at marketing and have 900 band names. Let me guess though. <laughs> Let me guess. You're a rebel. I guess I am. Do you <laughs> chafe up against your own limitations in terms of like your own scheduling and your own like life schedule things that you do? Do you try to like get out of your own commitments that you place on yourself? Just wondering. Um, I don't know if I do. I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure. I know what you're asking, but I think my answer is that I will over schedule. Hmm. I will over schedule myself. And then I don't try to get on at anything. I, I feel horrible when I let, when I feel like I'm letting other people down. So I, I don't know. I sort of just like, I feel like I, I create 9,000 things that I have to do for myself. And then I'm like, okay, well, what can I actually do? <laughs> you know, like I can relate a lot to what you're saying. And I think what you're, who you are is a band leader. You're the engine of the band, whether you like it or not. And I didn't realize for a long time that I'm also that. And like all my struggles came from the fact that I wasn't just being like, okay, I'm the engine. I have to just do it all. I'm going to do it all. I'm taking control. And so once I stepped into that, I was like, now I'm, that's what I do. And like, it's, you know, because there's so many things to do as a band, a DIY band. And you have like a bunch of bands and I have a bunch of bands too, actually ish. Well, I had like five different ones for a while. I can relate a lot to your lifestyle. Um, <laughs> until I found this one where I was like, no, I'm going to just take this like yeah. for a couple years and just tour on it and stuff. But, um, I totally relate to that. And yeah. I think you put a lot on yourself plus with the zine and we haven't even gotten into that. So, um, maybe take me back a little bit to like how you got involved with music and like how your relationship with being in these kind of bands has changed over the years. Did you get into it like as a teenager or like, how did that happen? And how did you pick up the guitar? That's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's weird. I think for me, it was always an outlet. Um, I'm a very, you know, I come across as being like, just like a, like, I don't know, like a strong person in some ways, but I'm a very, very sensitive and emotional person. Um, my Venus is in cancer. It's a horrible affliction. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry so to hear I, that. My condolences. <laughs> I've just had, I've, I, I've always had to have outlets for myself. And when I was, I went through a lot of stuff in my childhood and my sister and I had gotten guitars because we love the monkeys and we're going to be abandoned. Da, da, da. But I took that, you know, I, I took it very seriously. And when I was, I was, I was sad. I was like a sad kid and I just would stay in my room a lot and play my guitar. And I still, I have, there's my first guitar. Oh, wow. And I never really played on that because it doesn't work. But then Can I you bought- describe it for us? The guitars? Yes, oh, for yeah. our readers. Um, I mean, our listeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys can't see that. Um, so there's a tiny, it's just like a tiny acoustic guitar that my older sister had given me. Like, it doesn't play. Like, it doesn't sound good. You can't even tune it. But I just painted it. There's paint. It's painted. There's a lot of collages on it and all that kind of stuff. And I did the same thing with the next guitar that I bought with, you know, I bought it with my own money. Um, I saved up money and like saved up like a hundred dollars or something from like babysitting or some, I don't know how I was making money, but, um, <laughs> and I still have, I still write like a lot of my songs on it. Um, so I was playing a lot of just really sad ac- acoustic music <laughs> by myself. And I have recordings of that from when I was like 15 years old or so. I tried to join a band with boys 
Um, I wrote a riff and it was like a cool song. And then I don't know, the lead, the lead singer and I were making out and then we weren't anymore. And then I wasn't in the band, you know, kind Oof. of thing. And, <laughs> and, you know, that, that was my first band experience. It took me a really long time to even be in another band. I was, I was, when I was in college, I was trying to recruit everyone to play with me and I was trying to play with everybody else. And I don't really have the skills to play other people's songs apparently. Cause no one wanted me in their band. Um, and I couldn't find anyone to be in my band and I couldn't figure it out. And I, I finally, finally, finally figured it out when I was like 22, how to like be in someone else's band. And then they didn't want to play my songs. And so I, Started my own band. Again, and you're a band leader and you did it. You came fully formed as a band leader and you didn't know it. And you were just like, no, I don't want to play your songs. Why would I play your songs? That's boring. I did. I did. I did want to play. You didn't like song. it. You didn't like it. Yeah. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that love to play other people's songs and they don't write. And then there's people that write and produce and that is a hard yeah. nut to crack. You kind of have to like own up to that. Like you, I, I will just forget a cover song. We do some cover songs and I'll just forget the chords. So I'm like, I yeah. didn't write this. It's a classic. I don't care. It's a really good yeah. song, but I didn't write it. I'm not going to remember it. I'll remember it for as long I, as I, I need I to. I want to be able to do that. <laughs> I want to be able to play. I do. I do want to be able to cover songs and stuff like that. I'm just not good at it. No. I'm just not good at it. You don't so want I, to. Your interest is not there. Yeah. And you are so prolific in what you do. It's like, thank God, like you're actually just writing and doing cool stuff. Like we don't need more cover, cover songs. Anyways. So you got, (laughs) you figured it out. I would love to ask you though, for like listeners that are, that are younger and I can relate to what you just said about being in your early twenties, not sure how you start a band. Like, how do I do this? Who do I call? Like, do I go on Craigslist? Which I did. Oh my God. I did. Oh yeah. That was weird. That got really weird. Um, how did you figure it out? Do you have tips for young young musicians? I, I mean, I figured it out because I just I, I I joined someone else's band. Right. You know, I played I played uh, rhythm guitar and I played lead guitar and like a goth. I played. Oh, that's not over there. I have a warlock. I also have a warlock guitar and I was playing a warlock oh and like God. a goth grunge band. <laughs> and I did that, and I think that that was really how I I figured it out because I saw how someone else led a band and I was like. I can do that. I have all these songs. Now I just, you know, I need to be able to find someone else to play my songs. And so I think that that helps anybody, songwriters or non-songwriters. That's true. To understand how to be a band. It's just kind of like, find something that you, find an instrument that you can play even like sort of well and just hone in on it. That's a great point. And I should say I was in other people's bands before I had my bands and you do have to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So um, tell me like a little bit about your trajectory as like an actual, like not an actual musician, but I know you have a day job. I know you're a teacher. That's like a passion of yours, but like, where did the energy and the inspiration come to like produce as many things as you have and, and what like drove you to continue to do music? Was it the, you like the music scene, the people, like being part of this punk scene, or was it just like getting your, your certain message out? Are you more into live versus recording or recording versus live? Like, what is your deal? It's interesting. I think recording is a little bit more important to me um, in a certain way, but I like both of them equally, if that makes sense. Really? That's interesting. I yeah. don't know a lot of people that are equal 
Tell me about that. I I enjoy them both for different reasons. Um, like, I like playing shows because then you're meeting people and you're hanging out. And, like, honestly, that's, like, my social life, you know? And that's that's how I socialize. That's how I make friends anymore in, in my old age. Um, <laughs> social element to it, for sure. But for me, recording is more important, I guess, as a, a craft for me. It's a little bit more important because that's what that's what will stay. Like, that's what will remain. husband and I have this thing we say to each other we're just like whoever has the most records before they die wins and I really do believe that it's a kind of an obsession yeah yeah um so I think that that it's a little bit it's it's more important to me but I do I it it is important to me to stay to play live too because it is it really is how I socialize yeah um and I mean yeah I can socialize by going to shows too so it's like I think that that you know, that if I stop playing live for a certain amount of time, it's like, that's cool. I can still go to shows. Do you have a hard time going to shows when you're also producing? It's almost like writing a book while reading a lot of books. To me, sometimes it's like really hard to like be both 
an audience member and on stage and writing music, it almost is like too much. Do you ever find like a burnout there or do you just do it all? Um, yeah, no, I definitely find a burnout. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think sometimes like I can't, I have to just, I have to just like, I I have to look at my week and be like, what is it that I can actually, what can I actually do? Cause I think that I can do everything. And then I'm just like, what (laughs) What am I doing? So Um, tell me about Chicago and like how you got to Chicago and like what your relationship is with the city. I was very surprised. I mean, I knew it was a big city, like a big bustling industrial city, but when I got there, it felt so metropolitan to me and coming from California where it's just like orange trees and chickens and like flip flops. Like it just felt very urban (laughs) and you seem like such a sweet person. That's just like, you know, I don't know. I don't see you as like a Chicagoan. Is that how you say it? Chicago dog? Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. All of my best friends are just like, why? Like you don't belong. You don't belong there. Like you don't belong in that city. And like a lot of my really good friends say that to me. And I often feel that I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm just up against concrete all the time or just, you know, um, it, it, it's hard. And like, it, it, it's weird. It's weird. I'm not, I came here because I went to Loyola. Um, I got my undergrad degree and then I just kept like playing music with people and I just kind of like stayed and I'm here right now. And there's this part of me that's just itching to just go somewhere else. Um, and that is a hard thing for me to face because I do, I have planted a lot of roots here. So I'm not, I'm not totally sure how to answer that question, but I am, you know, I do love, I I have a lot of connections here and like all, all that kind of stuff, but I'm not, I'm not totally sure. It's like where I belong. Hmm. Yeah. I can relate to that. For sure. Like once you have those connections, it's hard to say bye-bye and be like, oh, I, I'm going to go somewhere where no one knows me. Like we're planning on moving away from California or just basically moving into the van and just traveling for a long time. And I'm willing to give up those connections and having those shows because I'm just like, so I'm just done with this area. And this leads me to my next question. I imagine the scene in Chicago, although it's much, much, much bigger and more diverse than what we have here on the central coast of California, it's probably a little insular and you have been doing this for many, many years. I wonder, do you ever come across this like, and this might be me just like projecting, but like, do you ever come across the feeling of like, you've kind of tapped everything and almost like you like it's almost like you're not getting the same response anymore because you've been doing it for so long and maybe like there's some weird little resentments in town because like you know you you've come to this point where you've hit this sort of ceiling here and you're big here or you're popular or people like you do you ever feel like that or do you feel like everyone's just pretty chill I don't know yeah, no, just me. I just get that vibe sometimes where I'm like I feel like I'm in an aquarium and I just need to go somewhere where people don't know me as well yeah Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, It's hard for me to tour with my schedule. So that's always been kind of like a a rough thing for me. Um, I think you really described my feelings and I (laughs) like, just like exactly. That's exactly weird. (laughs) And so I kind of just now, like, I'm not, I don't know. It's, it's weird because it's like, I, I know that I don't need to be playing shows at the same venue to the same people over and over again. I know I don't need to be doing that, but for whatever reason, we're ha- my band is having f- my my bands are having kind of fun doing that, so we're just like, all right, that's fine. But I know that it's not really necessarily 
getting us anywhere. It's not like fruitful, and, right? Like it does, yeah. it's not bearing fruit. That's how it no. sounds. Like it's not, that's I how mean, I but, feel. But it does because of things like this, like I met you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so there's like random connections that are made and like there's things that happen that are helpful and beneficial. But for, I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why I'm like, yeah, recording is more important to me because that, that for me is what bears fruit. Like I just had, um, a couple of people hit me up to use my songs in, um, independent movies and in web, web series and things like that. And it's like, cool. That's what I want. Like, that's what I want. Um, to that's happen with awesome. my music. Congratulations. I want hearing it. That's great. Thank you. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really exciting. And the other thing is, is I'm, I'm working on other projects other than music stuff. Like I'm doing some writing Yeah. and I'm, I'm trying to focus my energy on that. And I see myself overall as a writer. Um, even when I'm writing songs, I'm a writer. Yeah. Right. And so like, that is what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the process of playing music as a writing, um, exercise. It's something that I do as a writer and then playing shows is what I do to like unwind or party. Sure. That's interesting. You say that. Yeah. Because I almost feel like I, I feel the same way as a writer. I've been a writer for like 10 years and that's been my main profession. And so I have a lot more like problems with like, like I'm writing a book right now, but I'm having such a hard time, like getting over my own like issues of like, I'm a writer. It has to be perfect. But then I can just do albums and I'm like, Oh, this is a writing project. That's fun and, and easy. And like, let's yeah. make a million things. And like, I feel like it's such an outlet because I'm outside of my brain. Yeah. But once I get in my yeah. brain and I'm like writing to write, I'm like, Oh man, like this is hard. <laughs> but yeah. um, you have to focus no. on it. You have to, you have to nurture it. it. You have to nurture it. Yeah. So tell me about your yeah. writing projects and tell me about your zine. Um, okay. So I have way too many writing projects going on. Um, cause I, I have fictional worlds that I work in that I write in. Wow. Um, and that's a, the, the zine is a, um, a product of that. Cool. Um, I, I started doing that cause I just started wanting to put stuff in I started, I, I wanted to publish stuff and then I wanted to also use some of the space to like promote, um, other local artists and things like that. And it's been kind of hard getting people on board to help me to do all that. So I've been kind of doing it myself. So I've been slowing down a bit um, with it because I'm like, you know what? I need to, fo- I really need to focus on the main project. I was doing that as a distraction. I was doing that to just have fun and you know, exactly yeah. what you're saying. Like you just do something to be like, I'm not working on this serious project right now. I need like something fun that I don't care about. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that takes up your time or whatever. So I'm always reassessing my time. Um, but the big project I'm working on, that I think is going to bear fruit for me um, currently is, and I can't remember if I mentioned this to you or not. I think I yeah, mentioned I think it to you Dougie, did. but um, I think you did. I am writing a book. Um, I'm writing short biographies on a yes. hundred women across North America who played punk in the late seventies and mid or sorry to like early eighties. Yes. So very short span of time. That was the beginning of the punk era. And that is the project that I'm like, this is what I need to focus on. Like, this is what I need to do. Um, but then I get distracted and I do the same thing where I literally last night was like sitting there for like two hours going over like two sentences. Yep. Yep. Like, and just being like this, and it's like, I know. Okay. Better create <laughs> a new not, project to distract yourself. <laughs> it's like procrastination by making more projects. Yeah. It's like insanity. Right. But I remember this yeah. now because when, exactly. I think when you said you were doing this book about North American 
early punk females, I was like, oh shit, that's what made me say like, you need to be on my podcast. Um, Alice Bag was like on it a long time ago, but I could like hook you up with her. She's super nice. And I think that's kind of where that came from because yeah. I was like, oh my God, like we have the same like kind of, because the, the whole goal of the podcast, I mean, it's, it, I started it for women and for, for young feminine identifying, identifying people, um, to, to come together and to feel like they weren't alone and like the process of making music or art or books or whatever it is, because I think a lot of times we think we have to have it all figured out, but none of us have it figured out and I don't have it figured out. So it's like therapeutic for me, but also good for women. And, um, yeah, so I love that. That's fucking awesome. I hope that you finish it and that you don't keep procrastinating by making more projects for yourself, please. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the, the work I'm doing is, you know, it's something that I'm putting all of my heart into and it's really beneficial for me to like learn about all this stuff and like to feel connected to it in some way. Um, and it's maybe like a community of, you know, a lot of it is like talking to uh, women who did this 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, tell me about I, that. Can you choose mad, one but, in particular? Yeah. Like, please tell me, like, tell me like one interesting woman that you met or, and how you reach them. And like, tell me about that whole experience. Um, well, I've interviewed like seven or eight of them now. Um, and I, there's people that I'm like, I'm like <laughs> wanting to send, um, emails to, but I'm like terrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm looking, I'm looking at my past interviews. I'm like, Oh my God, I, I, I did a horrible job with this. I could have done so much better. You know, and I'm like sitting here trying to figure out exactly what I'm doing. But um, one of the more interesting ones, I think that this was this was really funny to me is because I found um, there's a punk archive in San Francisco at the library, at the public library. And I had just found that by Googling it. And I saw a phone number and I saw that you had like set up um, a, a viewing of it. And I was, I happened to be going to San Francisco the first time I had ever been to San Francisco. So one of my friends uh, was teaching out there and I went for spring break and I called the number and I was like, hi, I was wondering, you know, if I could um, access the punk archive. Um, I'm going to be in town this year. Like, she was like, Oh sure. She's like, I'll just uh, transfer you um, to the department. I'll transfer you to uh, Penelope Houston. What? I'm, like, Holy <laughs> I'm just going to be on the phone with Penelope Houston in like one second. And I was so awkward. And I was just like, I, um, hi. And I couldn't finish the sentence. Oh my God. What the hell? I was like, oh. she's like, yeah, she, I think she's just like, what the hell is this? You know? And, uh, you know, uh, she's like, yeah, uh, send me an email. I was like, yeah, I feel like I'll be able to express myself better over email. <laughs> So I sent her an email. She emailed me back right away with this huge, amazing list of um, women that were playing in the Bay Area in the, you know, in the mid-70s. And I went out and I met her. I went to the archive. She showed me, you know, the artifacts there. I got to take some photos. We put on gloves to look, touch the pictures. Oh, and my goodness. Then I interviewed her the next day. And when I went back and listened to the interview, I ended up, like, transcribing the whole thing. I was just like, God, I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. It's like amazing. I asked the dumbest question. I sound so dumb on this and her answers are so wonderful. And I'm like, I just, you know, that, that kind of thing where I'm like, it's, it's an amazing interview and she was so awesome to me. Wow. And now I just sit there and I'm like, I want to like go back and ask her more questions. Right. But you, you know, and you should just write that shit out. Like I'm dying yeah. to read it. I'm dying. They're, to they're, read they're it. Really cool. The interview is really cool. Um, she, she's, yeah, she's really, really knowledgeable. Obviously she's a, She's and still celebrity. active. Still active too. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. The Avengers are like on tour right now. They're playing uh, <laughs> Italy. Um, 
at the Punk Rock Renduno Festival this this week, I think, or in, on the 13th or something. That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. It's You know what? This is a great example of how when you just like pick up the phone and like go forward with something, the universe can yeah. kind of meet not only halfway, but they're like, oh, this is what you wanted? Connection made. And you're just like, oh shit, yeah. I'm not ready. But that's exactly what happened with my Alice Bag situation. Like it was a totally roundabout way that it all worked out. And I was like, I'm not ready for this, but it all worked out. Through that, I was able to do some stuff for Bust Online, and now I'm able to do, like, some writing for them. And, like, it all sort of, like, came together on, like, a random weekday where I was like, what? Yeah. I have other things to do. I, I can't do this awesome thing. Like, I can't interview her. And it's just – you have to just meet the universe. And it's – I know that sounds yeah. woo-woo, but it's yeah. like, damn, like, that happened to you. That's so rad. For sure. And, you know, I guess what I'm trying to express is that I'm intimidated sure. and yeah. I feel – like maybe I'm not knowledgeable enough or I'm not asking the right questions and all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, I did it. And I have this really amazing interview with Penelope Houston that I've transcribed and I made that wow. connection. She, she was so gracious and she taught me, you know, like she, um, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. She uh, introduced me to like so many different things that like I wouldn't have, you know, had access to if I hadn't gone to the archive and opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And we had some really cool conversations and we, yeah. I felt like we made a cool connection. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what happened. That's and, amazing. Yeah. You came, you with- know, I've been like, hitting up women on Facebook and just, you know, emailing a bunch of people. And most people are just so excited to have these conversations. Yeah. So you came at it with curiosity and like a reverence for yeah. what she was doing. And I would just like to suggest that you came at it with questions because you were doing interview. Like that's the yeah. point. You're supposed to not have all the information and you didn't have all the information, but your curiosity allowed you to like do that. Whereas if yeah. you came at it like, Oh, I'm so knowledgeable about, you know, oh, I have no rock. idea what I'm doing. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's better. You know what I mean? So I think that that's great. Uh, Oh, hang on one second. My husband's here. Hi honey. Doing an interview. What are you up to? Oh, Cool. Just be quiet on the way out. <laughs> he came home to get a tool. Um, God damn, that's fantastic. I'm so jazzed. I just hope that you continue with that. And um, if you have other people you want to talk, I just have like a couple ideas for you. That ha- like connections of connections that I will send in an email. We don't have to talk about it here. But um, I want to see you do that. So, so that's the main thing. I really, really love though, um, can't wait. The Beastie album, Can't Wait. That's your most recent release, yes? But you had some singles that were last year or this year, some singles as well. So can you tell me, like, what the future is for Beastie? And I just – the sound is so cool. It's just, like, so, like, kind of psychedelic and, like, grungy and, like – but still has pop hooks. Um, Definitely something that I feel like um, could be on the radio almost, like, at least college radio. So tell me, like, kind of what the response has been and, like, what's happening with Beastie. Yeah. um, I, you know, I feel like people really do uh, like us. And I think especially a lot of people who are on tour, they're really, like, into it and all this stuff. I don't know that the Chicago scene has really, like, been that into it. Um, And I I see the difference between the amount, you know, the amount of attention I was getting and we were getting in Swimsuit Edition versus Beastie. And you know what? I don't care. Like I am making music that I really like and I think is really good. And I have, 
you know, and not that it matters to get that feedback, but, you know, I have good feedback from other people and that's, that's been really important for me. For me, it's the most important thing to be like authentic with what I'm making. Yeah. And I feel like I found a way to do that finally in a way that it's easy. Like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm struggling to create things. Like I'm just like, what comes naturally is you're in the flow really what the best. Yeah. And so I feel like I found that and, you know, I'm writing songs for my other band Dust Dots too. And for me, it's been hard to figure out what song goes to which project. <laughs> and that, that's really the hard, the juggle for like the struggle for me. Oh my goodness. You have such, it's such a beautiful struggle. Like what a great struggle to have, but man, you, you make it hard on yourself, Jen. You really I know. Do. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like in California, we're, because we are California sounding, we have that surfy kind of sound. We sometimes get overlooked, especially in our own backyard. But I'm like a huge pen pal nerd. And I don't know if you know Aaron Comet Bus, who does the zine Comet Bus from the early Bay Area scene in San Francisco. He did like a punk zine in the 80s. He's one of my favorite writers. Cool. I think you'd like cool. him. Anyways, I, I pen paled him because I'm such a fan. And um, he said something to me that was really valuable that kind of like blew my mind. Like I already kind of knew this, but like he was around when Green Day was getting big and was fans with them and like, or friends with them. And like, he saw how like, they created this like and he was in the band Crimp Shrine but he saw how this band like Green Day kind of started as a joke like people didn't take them seriously people didn't think they were cool like they tried to play cool shows and like the older punks didn't want like Billy Joe to play and like it was kind of a weird thing and then as we all know they blew up and got crazy and what he said in one of his letters was like because I was saying like oh you know we play in this band and I just feel like sometimes when we tour we get so much more love and I don't know why that is and he was like, that's every single person. He was like, even me, I wrote yeah. about punk in the Bay Area in the 80s. He is a punk legend. Everybody knows it. Like, everybody now loves him. But he was like, even me, like, I felt like I was just the odd man out. I was uncool in my own backyard. And you have to go away from your home and risk that and go somewhere completely different. And that is the only way you're going to, like, find out who you really are away from, like, the people around you that, like, are just it's almost like tainted, you know, because they, you're so much a part of their home that they're like, they have this, they have weird territorial things about it, or they see you as, as just like the little kid, or they see you as, you know, the Grom forever. And like, I don't know. I just, I always knew that you had to do that. But like when he said it, I'm like, but you're such a punk legend. How can you say that? And but when I think of like Green Day and other bands like blew up, they blew up because they went on tour and they actually took their shit all over the country. And like, even a band like the Ramones, like they didn't get a lot of love in New York. They really didn't until later. And even then they didn't really get that much love, but they would tour the Midwest and the Midwest loved the shit out of them. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I think that's a kind of a weird theme in my life right now too, where I'm just like, okay, how do I divorce my, what I'm doing from like where I live and like being in California? How do I divorce it so that yes, I am of this place, but like I can go other places and still stand on my own two feet and like be people can receive me in different ways. And you can even say, I sound like a Detroit band. And I'm like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I think it's useful to to just remember that, you know, that yeah. sometimes you just have to be like, I need to go and step away from the people that yeah. they do support and love you, but they also, they don't always receive what you're putting out. 
or they take yeah, it for granted. For sure. So for sure, for sure. Yeah, hopefully that's I a useful sentiment. Cool. I hope that you just take that and just, just take yeah. it the way I took it because it, for some reason it had bothered me until I really thought about it. And I went, Oh, okay. This is something every single artist has had to deal with. I mean, they really have. I mean, think about all the artists that died and became famous too. Like that's every fucking artist in the world. So it's just like, you right. can't take it personally. Yeah. But it's so hard. For sure. <laughs> well, I think the reason for me, and this is, this is like what I, what I say a lot of times. And like, you know, I've talked to my therapist about it or whatever. It's like, I really, I really want people to appreciate each other while we're here. And I think that that's what is painful to me about that experience or like the experience of being like being an artist and looking at other artists throughout history and being like, Oh, they weren't appreciated until they died. And it's like, that's so sad. It's just sad. It's like a sad thing, you know, like um, we're all here on this earth for such a limited amount of time. And maybe, you know, I have a different perspective on this because I lost my sister when I was very young and I, 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 I look at our, like, you know, just even your friendships, it's like some of your friends, you only live in the same city as them for two years. Yeah. That's all you get. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think, I think that that's why it bums me out, but that's, yeah. you know, You're that's so my, wise. You're so wise. <laughs> I'm wise and heart, heartbroken. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear about your sister. I'm sure that was a huge loss and a huge wake up call. I think, I don't know. You seem like you're in your early thirties. I don't know how old you are. Are you yeah. in that range? So I'm 33. Some people, <laughs> I'm about that age too. Some people at, at our age still haven't suffered loss and still haven't suffered like mm-hmm. things being taken away. And I feel like they don't understand that like, this is all we have and, and do the thing, make the book, make the zine, make the tapes. That's why when you came at me yeah. with a stack of content, you were like, <laughs> check out my content. I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Because not just a young person doing it, a woman doing it. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Cause I want to see more young people and more women doing that. And I consider us young. So <laughs> for now, so are you touring? No. And that's, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I think that you're so right about that. And for me, it's hard to fit that into my schedule or to be able to figure out how to do that financially. Yeah. And that's, it's difficult for me. And I think that, I think that the universe gives you what you need when you need it. If you are, focused on the right thing at the right time. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. And I think that that's why I'm talking about, I need to finish this book. I need to just keep working on these things because when I'm doing that, you know, I'm working in the path of least resistance. It's like this opportunity that I have right now. And I need to focus on that because other things, I don't think that like things happen without, you know, like actually preparing for them. And I'm not that um, naive. I know that you have to work hard to make things happen, but I also think it's really important to kind of work with what you have in the moment. And I, it's not easy for me financially or schedule wise to, to do touring. So I, you know, part of me is sad about that, but I'm also like, I don't want to force something or make it any more difficult. You have your own life. It is a huge deal. I mean, you really have to just change your whole lifestyle around it. I mean, I decided I'm like, I'm going to take a couple of years and do a lot of touring. And then I know that after that, period of time, I'm going to have to lay low because basically we're moving into a van for a while and that's, and renting our house out, which is like part of it, you know, it's hard. And I'm a freelancer. I work, um, from my laptop. So 
thank God I have clients and stuff, but it's not like my day job is that rewarding. I have to do stuff that I don't want to do to pay for the tours and to pay for all the things that go along with it. So I totally get what you're saying. And you have a lot of projects. So I just say stick with those projects. Yeah. I just, I want to like call, like call back in and see how your progress is. Um, do you have, if people, I need check-ins. If, if people have questions or if not questions, if people have tips for people, like if people are listening and they're like, oh my God, I know someone that'd be perfect to interview. How do people reach you? And like, where do you live? Cause I know you're not really on Instagram and the social needs for you. I'm jealous. Like you're just not a social needs person. It seems like kind of. Or are you? Are you laughing? Because you are. I literally have like seven Instagram. How come I cannot find you ever on Instagram? That's great. I um, said that to Dominique and she's like, you're crazy. She's all she's all over the internet. And I was like, what? Why can't I find any yeah. of your shit? That's so funny. Because it's all, it's like, I literally have like 12 Tumblrs and oh, like split. seven Instagram. Okay. But like, they're all like... Yeah, they're all like things for... Di- they're like all for different purposes. Like everything's a different you know, reason for me having it. So, so what's your main one? If people I, like want to get in touch with you or they love your music or like they have a tip for you for like the interviews, like how does one do that? Yeah. I think that honestly, to be honest, I think the best Instagram to use is the beastie one. Okay. I know um, that one. B E A S T I I. I think that that's the underscore rips. Uh, yeah. Underscore. Try, right. Right. Found I it. forgot. About that part. Um, beastie rips is probably the best one. And then, I have a disappearing media um, uh, Instagram. Um, I have a website that goes along with my zine, and I'm going to link – I'm actually going to link your podcast up to it. Oh, rad. Um, I – yeah, so – I found you. I most, yeah, I don't know. It's – I'm not good at marketing. I don't under – that I'm just – I'm so bad at that, and I feel like it's confusing for people, and I'm just – it actually works in your favor because it shrouds you in mystery. Like you're everywhere, but you're nowhere. Yeah, I kind of feel that way. You, that's like a great example of who you are. I feel like I don't even know you, but I feel like you're like everywhere, but you're like not in any one place. Like you're omnipresent. <laughs> like she's fucking everywhere. She has a million bands, but I can't find like the one place where I can actually like reach you. So um, now we have Skype though. So people can go to beastie, yeah. beastie underscore rips with two eyes if they want to reach you or they want to. And, and, and that album, uh, Can't Wait, is on Spotify. And the new singles are on Spotify. Uh, Jen and the Dots is not on Spotify. We changed the name. I forgot to say that earlier. Please, please enlighten us because I want all of our listeners, yes. all 60 of them, to go and rush to your Spotify and follow you and you'll get 60 <laughs> new followers. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um Jen and the Dots is not Jen and the Dots anymore. It's Das Dots. Das so D-A-S-D-O-T-Z. Perfect. Just to make it a little bit harder. The Z at yeah. the end. <laughs> Can't spell either of my band names. You could just have a, a, a dollar sign at the end and just call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking about linking my bands up to my website. I, I made my website not just to promote, promote my own work, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, you know what? I need to have somewhere where all my links can go. So I think I'm going to, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that today. I'll make a page where it's just like, you can find my music and all that kind of stuff. So disappearingmedia.com is a good place to go. I publish people's comics. I publish, I like link yes. to podcasts. I link to blogs that I really like. My blog, Blunk yeah. at Respect is on there. Um, so disappearing media is kind of the hub. Perfect. No, that's exactly what I wanted. So then I'm going to go there and just devour everything. 
And cool. I'll link that to the show notes. Cool. Um, I always end, and if there's more things you want to chat about, please, now is the time. <laughs> but I would want to warn you that at the end of the episodes, I do ask my guests how they sparkle and destroy, as cheesy as that sounds, because my, my whole idea with the podcast was sparkle hard, as in believe in yourself, do what you need to do, get shit done, destroy, as in break down boundaries, break down whatever's like in your way. And I just wonder like, if you have any personal insights like with that sort of in mind. And I know that's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I feel like for me, I can, I can do more when I feel happy. And that is a hard thing to say, especially because I, I'm not always happy. I'm, you know, I have depression issues and all that kind of stuff. And it's hard to say like, oh, just make yourself happy because I know how difficult that can be. But I can find joy in small things. Um, eating a mango, you know, <laughs> drinking water and taking a walk, you know, little, little things. And when I feel some sense of joy or some sense of just like um, just feeling good, I feel like I can do more. And that is really, really, really important to me. And I think that that's... That's, I think that that's the trick for me is just, even if that thing, the thing that you want to do is what makes you feel good, writing a song, playing the guitar, you know, whatever it is, I feel so much better once I feel like I did something at the end of the day, you know? So just doing it, you know? That's a, that's the best one I've ever heard. Just, you heard it here first folks, eat more mangoes. Eat a mango. All I got from that was eat mangoes. Eat like mangoes. I'm still thinking about me. Ma- I'm like, do I have frozen mango in the freezer? I'm totally going to make a mango smoothie in your honor. Um, it was such a pleasure <laughs> to chat with you. You are just as uh, yeah, inspiring as I imagined you would be when I zoned in and locked in on you. So thank you for letting me <laughs> finally pin down the mysterious Jennifer Larson. AKA. <laughs> do we like to call you Jen Dot or no? Yeah, you know, I made, I made that name up one day because I didn't want my students to find me. Ah. And everybody thinks it's my name, and so I've just kind of run with it. Um, so that was, I don't know where that came from even. It was, I think I was, I was like, I couldn't think of anything. It was like blank, I don't know, you know, kind of thing. So Just another layer, just another layer of mystique. Yeah. Just keep throwing it on there. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It was really fun. Yeah. And let's stay connected. Cause I think we are on the, you know, we're, it's like, I, I feel like there's like a lot of, there's like kind of like this army of women right now who are just like avenging women's space and music. And I think that we're, we're on the same uh, side of that yeah. war. I don't know if it's a war, but <laughs> with mangoes in hand, just like we're fucking here. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Uh, You heard Beastie, Can't Wait at the top of the episode, followed by Das Dots, Get You Into the Groove. And we're going to close out the show with Beastie Got the Van. Thank you so much to Jen for joining us on the podcast. If you want to follow what she's up to, go to her website at www. I don't know why I still say that. It's not 1999. Disappearingmedia.com. If you want to follow Haley and the Crushers, go to at Haley and the Crushers on Instagram. Um, if you want to know about tour dates, go to HaleyandTheCrushers.com. And if you want to shoot an email to me regarding the podcast, you can email me at sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. Thanks so much, guys. Sparkle and destroy. Bye.
Thank you.